Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. Before we jump into this week's episode, please rate and review us on iTunes, it really helps the show grow, and subscribe to us on your favourite podcast player of choice. You can find us on all social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast, and be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us and you'll get access to exclusive features such as video versions of the podcast, early access to episodes, knowledge of upcoming guests and a chance to ask a guest a question and much, much more. Now this week's episode. Following on from the hugely entertaining episode we did with Jack from Bad Council, I now have Greg from Bad Council on. So you know you're in for a good time. Also, be sure to listen right till the end. We have a very special treat. We have the new single by the great Wax Mechanics. You'll remember Wax from season one. Well, he's got a new record out and it's absolutely fantastic. I can't wait for you to hear it. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey Greg, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here, man. Good to see you in person. You too. You too. It's great to have another bad counselor on the show. <laughs> it's our pleasure. So uh, for the listeners that didn't hear Jack, although I'm fairly sure there's probably none, would you like to tell them a bit about your podcast? Yeah, we are. Uh, we're bad counsel. We are an advice show that's really disguising an improv comedy show. So it's, it's Tim, Jack and I, uh, we did a previous podcast together and then uh, started this one. And my, my lovely wife who was usually at my side listening. Uh, and then, um, you know, she just uh, worked her way onto the show. You know, her, her <laughs> laugh is irrepressible and her opinions and her voice are great. So we brought her on too. And we take uh, voicemails and emails and direct messages from fans asking us absurd questions. And we try to give them equally absurd answers. It's uh, it's definitely hilarious. That's for sure. And it's <laughs> cool that you have Katie on the show now to kind of even it out to give the female perspective. Not just give the female perspective, but, you know, she gives Jack and I permission to take things even further than we normally might. Yeah, you know, we do have a fair amount of female listeners and having Katie on the show, she's like our barometer. So we know we haven't gone too far if she's laughing. So so, <laughs> so no one can accuse us of being totally out there. We can say, well, you know what? Katie's on the show and she finds it funny. So lighten up. <laughs> true, true. And I can't proceed without asking you, uh, what's your favorite piece of advice that you've given out? If you can pick one out. 
Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on revenge, you know, uh, situations. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I, I, I'd have to think about it, but you know, I've given a lot of advice that I'm proud of. I think on a recent episode, um, we advised a guy who was afraid his best friend was going to steal his girlfriend to start a rumor about him having venereal disease, you know, <laughs> you know, first I thought we'd actually arrange for him to get a venereal disease. And then Katie, the voice of reason popped in and said, you know, you could just say that he had the venereal disease. And I was like, yeah, that'd probably be a lot easier. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> that's what comes to mind. So, uh, you know, you have to, ch- there, there, I'm proud of all the advice that we give. Uh, so it's hard to kind of uh, zero in on it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that comes across really well is, uh, how quick witted you are and your delivery is always on point it just flies off the tongue you know well i appreciate that's very kind of you to say you know i definitely take pride in in trying to be funny um you know it's from growing up in a big i grew up in a big irish catholic uh, family here in the u.s and um you know if you weren't (laughs) quick-witted And you weren't ready to to come with some uh, something clever, then uh, you didn't last very long in my household. Like sarcasm was the the language of the house. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the Irish thing coming out in you, all right. Mm. You've actually been to Ireland before, haven't you? I have. Yeah, um, in the nineties, uh, you know, a friend of mine, also an Irish uh, friend from our the same parish where we grew up. Uh, he had some family over in Ireland, and so we went on a trip for about three weeks, um, all over all over the republic. You know, we start flew into Shannon, spent some time there. He his family actually has a uh, one of the most, I, I guess, um, uh, classic to the original thatched roof cottages. Oh man! And a little village outside of Spittle. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Outside of Galway, in a little village called Wormhole. Of all places. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it's a little thatch roof cottage with um, like ponies living in the yard. At least it was at that time, you know, concrete slab floors. Mm. Uh, it was, it was the place we stayed for the first couple of nights. It was super, super cool. Uh, my friend's cousins took us to this pub that was literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, utter darkness. It looked like a split level house from the s- suburbs and then you walked into the basement. It was just jam packed with people with you know live music. Mm-hmm. We weren't uh, we were we weren't strangers at all. We were everyone welcomed us like um, like the the family that we were. Yeah, it was really cool. It sounds like the typical Irish pub. It was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just cool to be off. I mean, I, I love the like the the more well known places too that were new for me, mm-hmm. but to just kind of be in a neighborhood pub in a, in a small village and just. Um, it was just really cool. Like for me, um, going to Ireland was like returning to my roots that I didn't even know that I really had. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love the melting pot of the United States, but to be there and kind of get a feeling of like, you know, this is where my people came from mm-hmm. um, was, uh, was a lot more emotional than I anticipated it to be. I thought it was just going to be a, a one long pub crawl, but it was actually that and more. It was, it yeah, was wonderful. Yeah. So uh, it must've been a great feeling. You mentioned that, the village called Wormhole. I'll have to look it up, mm-hmm. but uh, we have some very interesting village names in Ireland. The the <laughs> county I live in, there's two villages that come to mind. One is called Bastardstown, and right beside it is Whore Town. And ah. not one word of a lie, <laughs> they're real villages. So we uh, we get very inventive with village names over here. Well, it's interesting. You'd think that if you were naming your neighbor's village, 
you'd go with something like, you know, whore town or, yeah. or bastardsville, yeah. you know, but to, to, to voluntarily adopt that moniker, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's probably the Irish sense of humor again. It is. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll get onto your music. So okay. how would you describe your music taste? Um, it's wide ranging for sure. You know, I grew up, uh, the youngest of six kids and they all had, uh, you know, their own tastes and I, I kind of just soaked it up and, you know, a person of my age, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't even a lot of TV channels. And so the radio and listening to music, uh, in a, in a large family household like that, when you have one television to crowd around being the youngest, I was never getting to choose what was on TV. So instead I listened to the radio. And so, you know, I, I grew up listening to the things that my older siblings liked. So like classic rock, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know, but then I had my sister's influence and, and, you know, as a small kid, they liked, you know, pop bands and, uh, and disco even for a time. And so I got exposed to all of that. And, and it was, to me, it was all good. And, you know, and as I matured and developed my own taste, I definitely maintained that love for, you know, kind of that classic rock and roll, but um, punk rock really captured my attention when I was a younger person and, um, you know, the clash and then, you know, Southern California punk. Hmm. Um, those were the bands that I, I really became interested in, in, in learning. And when I had kind of musical aspirations for a minute, that's what I aspired to be was like a punk rock guy. But, but even beyond that, you know, you, you, you get connected to rockabilly, you get connected to, you know, old, old country. And then I like the second, you know, they called it the new wave back in the day, but now I know they call it second wave, but like, you know, uh, the synth bands and mm. prod rock. I, I liked it all. There was so much good music out there and it gave me so much you know, like company, like your know, music kept me company and also uh, was just soothing for me and endlessly fascinating. And so I really liked it all. Uh, I can't say that I know a lot about jazz mm. or that I, I find myself reaching for jazz very often. Um, but everything else, you know, uh, including hip hop and, and rap and uh, EDM and country and the blues and, you know, all of that stuff, even classical. I have some classical composers that I really love. Hmm. Um, music has just been the kind of that ever present comfort in my life. Yeah. Yeah. As a as a fan of older rock and everything, then what do you think of the music industry nowadays or music nowadays? You know, I, I think it's awesome. I um, there's just uh, I'm endlessly fascinated at the, the the variety and the amount of music that can that people can put out, mm. and I am grateful to shows like yours, um, to like the larger kind of media world that you get exposed to so many different things. Because just listening to your show, I, I've discovered so many really interesting acts that have become a part of my regular listening now. Um, that's, it's that's good to hear it's uh yeah for sure it's what i kind of aimed at when i wanted to start the podcast was introduce lesser known acts to to new audiences you know people that might have never had the chance to listen to it was awesome i was actually before we started today about an hour ago i was on a video call just chatting with the guys from venicava oh man <laughs> yeah and so we were just just chatting really good and we're, we've become big fans of theirs yeah they're a great bunch of guys really cool I'll uh, sure. I'll have to try getting back on the show sometime in the 
in the future catch up and see what they're doing nowadays. Absolutely. So uh, what was the first single or album you ever purchased? Okay, now, so remember, I had older, influential <laughs> sisters, so don't don't judge me, but uh, <laughs> probably the, uh, the, the first band that I was into was because of my sisters. I, I will acknowledge them. Uh, it was the Monkees. Okay. You know, so... You know, that, you know, Davy Jones and the Monkees, those were probably the first 45s, like vinyl 45s were what I could have access to because I had a little record player in my room. Okay. So, so that was, that was among the first things I bought. But then the, the next band that I really became into and I started buying their cassettes, I think, uh, was REO Speedwagon. Oh. Just kind of like a, I think, are they an American or are they Canadian band? I can't, I can't remember. I couldn't tell you. To be honest, with yeah, you. but they they had a big hit album, and then you know th- those were kind of the my precursor bands and the ones that I don't always admit to to having loved. But the first band I was really into as an adolescent that I still uh, talk about proudly is Van Halen. They, they were my the the next big band for me. Yeah, yeah. Back to the the first one you mentioned. Actually, I was really surprised. I was expecting you to say Donny Osmond or something. they're they're uh they're first cousins musically right the monkeys and the osmonds yeah yeah i tend to lean towards the monkeys myself even though they were hugely manufactured but uh yeah there's some really good tunes though i've actually got one of their greatest hits cds somewhere in a box yeah davy jones i mean they they had that they captured that manufactured kind of british Mm. you know style the yeah. turtles the beetles all, all of those things and so they were easy to listen to that's for sure and then having the tv show that uh, just put it over the top for me i was just going to mention that you surely watched that as a kid oh for sure yeah i mean uh, that was that was my mtv watching the monkeys <laughs> i often think to myself i seen it as a kid as well obviously it was reruns but i always think I must look it up and watch an episode now and see what I think about it. Because I find <laughs> that there's all these movies and TV shows that I loved as a kid and I watch them now and I, you know, I can't get through one episode. I'm, so with I'm you. wondering if they're like that. Yeah, they don't hold up. I mean, even for me, sadly, I'll admit that the, uh, that I don't really watch Star Wars anymore. Really? You know, Star Wars for me in the seventies, like that was my religion, <laughs> you know, uh, and it was like such a profound movie series on me. And then when I've gone back and rewatched them recently, I'm like, you know, all, all the inherent illogic of you know these people living in huts on a desert planet, but having like, you know, vehicles that travel the speed of light. It was like, yeah, it, it's, it all came crashing down <laughs> on it, on me. Yeah, it's just a part of getting older, I suppose. It is, yeah. So, um, the uh, the first concert, the very first one, now that enlightened you to what a concert actually is what was it it was boston the band boston yeah and so it was uh pittsburgh that's my hometown and uh probably around 80 85 86 so i i would have been like 14 15 at the time and my uh two closest friends um one of who's a a regular contributor on uh, bad council but uh, those two friends and I, our, our mom dropped us off in downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, it was where the, the local hockey team played. And, you know, we asked her to drop us off like 20 blocks from the venue because we don't want to be seen getting out of one of our mom's cars. And <laughs> me and my friend Brian and my friend Tim, we went and saw um, Boston. And it was amazing. 
you know, because it was that pre-concert activity back in the days of people hitting beach balls. And I remember to this day that the pre-concert music they were playing was the white album. And, you know, and I, and I had only recently gotten really into the Beatles at that age. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. They're blasting the white album through the arena. And then Boston came on and, you know, they were so, so good and, and, and precise. And so it was just like listening to their records, which was what I wanted at the time. And, uh, and I just felt like an adult, you know, it wasn't some social activity that my parents had offered up to me. And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. It was something that me and my friends and I had decided we wanted to do. And we went and got the tickets, you know, and we arranged the, the rides. And, and, and that was just something uh, completely independent of my parents, which really made me feel like an adult. And I think just further cemented the, the love of that experience. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's, they must have been an amazing band to see as your first concert. They were, they were, they were awesome. I mean, you know, and again, I, you only, you only heard like the radio cuts and the, the album versions of things and they were just so on it and, you know, and they were like that quintessential, like late seventies, early eighties band. So yeah, it, uh, it was a great experience. Have you fun. seen them since? I have not. No, they, uh, you know, their, their lead singers, a bit of a recluse, I guess, you know, and he, they had that brief resurgence, a few years later, and then uh, you don't hear much from them, you know? And so I, I love them, but I was never really, they were an example of a band that my older siblings loved. And so I, I really liked, but then as I started to develop, my tastes went into some different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever any uh, bands you were into or any music you listened to that your parents frowned on? No, not really. Cause my parents were, I was the, like I said, Brian, I was the sixth kid of six and uh, by a long shot. Mm. And so they were just like, w w you know, ready for me to get out of the house. And so I was like, <laughs> you know what? My, my dad actually told me you have two rules, Greg, you know, don't get arrested and don't knock any broads up. You know? <laughs> and that was it. And, and that li they literally were my only rules. And, and, uh, and, you know, knock on wood, I, well, I won't say if I broke either of those, I, I shouldn't say, but, um, <laughs> but no, they didn't frown upon anything. They, they occasionally, they worried about me. Like they, when I would show up with a crazy hairstyle or when I got my ear pierced, my dad freaked out and thought that I must be on drugs. Um, and, and they, they were a little bit leery of dungeons and dragons when I played it. Right. But, uh, yeah, but music, they were kind of like, yeah, whatever music's music. Sound pretty cool when it comes to music anyway. They were. Yeah. The um, the last concert. This will be interesting. Um, that's a good question. Um, it was pre-COVID, and I'm just making sure that I have that right in my mind. Yeah, Elvis Costello. It was uh, oh, South Florida. He did a theater style show. It was probably four or five thousand max capacity. And one of my buddies who lives here in South Florida near me had an extra ticket. His wife decided not to go. And so we went and saw him. It was the first time I'd seen him and he sounded oh, phenomenally. Would he have been someone you've always wanted to see or was it just because the, the ticket was available? No, it was, he absolutely was somebody I've always wanted to see. I love Elvis. And and so to, to get a chance to see him live and, you know, he played obviously his, uh, his older set list but he also played some new music, uh, musical that he's working on. And he played some of his uh, stuff from his Burt Bacharach collaboration. Right. Which I don't know if you recall that, uh, but it was, a, it was a real departure for him, but it was good. And, and I enjoyed it all. You know, 
He didn't play every day I write the book, though. And I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to come see Elvis. She could make the effort and play that one song. I, yeah, I hate when when bands or performers do that. You know, you're standing there waiting. And at the uh, end of the gig, you're like, right, it's going to be the encore. The encore yeah. happens and it's not there. Like they have to play their their most well-known songs. I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I get it. They may be bored of it, but my God, they're they're they their house they got their house on that song you know exactly exactly i've heard uh i've heard musicians say that if you're going to be a musician as a job you don't do it to become like the best guitarist or the best singer ever Mm. you do it to get good at repeating the same 10 songs over and they're your most popular ones you know you're always going to have to be able to play them ones and they're what the crowd wants to hear so you have to include them you know Oh, for sure. And, I, and I've heard a lot of artists who do play their most popular songs say, hey, listen, man, you know, I owe so much to the fans who enjoy these songs. And so, you know, I, I'm, you're never going to hear me complain with the life that I've had that's been afforded by my popularity complaining about playing a song that brings joy to a lot of people. You know, yeah. those are the musicians I, I like to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I definitely agree. Little side note, actually, uh, for those that can't see, you're wearing an awesome Led Zeppelin T-shirt tonight. Mm-hmm. Anyone that listens to your show will know that you have a, a collection of concert T-shirts or band T-shirts. I do. What's your uh, most prized possession? <sighs> it's hard to say. It changes because I, I do rotate through them. But, um, you know, I, I like it when I can find bands that are, you know, relatively obscure shirts. So, like... I have a Mr. Bungle shirt that I recently purchased. Right. And, uh, you know, Mike Patton from uh, Faith No More. And mm. so I like that shirt a lot. Um, I have uh, my, you know, I like this. My Smith shirt means a lot oh, to man. me. Yeah. You know, I love the Smiths. And then, um, I, you know, I have this Bad Religion T-shirt that I got uh, at a con when I lived in Portland, Oregon. I was at a concert of theirs and it was right before the 2016 election where president Trump was elected. Hmm. And it was a side by side of Trump and Hillary Clinton. Um, and there was half their faces were revealed to be like aliens, you know, like they live type of reptilian creatures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the shirt said, you know, none of the above. And so nice. uh, that I got, I got a lot of, uh, I got a lot of um, stops in the streets to compliment me on that shirt by all, all persuade, all political persuasions, you know, so. Nice. (laughs) Sounds like a cool shirt. And um, are they all concert t-shirts then or that you get at concerts or would you just see one? Not anymore. Yeah. Now, you know, that's the one nice thing about getting to my age, Brian, (laughs) is that now I want a pair of fucking sneakers. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if we have an advisory warning on the show. (laughs) When I want to get a pair of sneakers. Okay, good. When I want to get a pair of sneakers, I can buy sneakers now. It's not, I don't have to sweat it. You mm. know, if I want to buy shirts that remind me of what it was like to be a young person again, I'm going to go ahead and indulge in those things. So Amazon is mostly where I get my, uh, my concert <laughs> t-shirts now, but some of them I have to really search for. So. Yeah, that's a, a very good piece of advice, actually. Last night, I was uh, I was looking online and an ad just seemed to pop up out of nowhere. And it's a callback to a, a show I did a couple of weeks ago with the guy from who's the lead guitarist for Stephen Piercy. I love that episode. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. I, I really enjoyed it. He was a great guy. But um, Super interesting. 
it was a concert ticket for Rat from 1987. Mm. And I was like, it was like $8 or something. I was like, should I buy it? That would be pretty cool to have. But then I was like, uh, I wasn't at the concert. But you know, what? I think I'm going to take your advice now. I might look it up and buy it after the show now. You know, who yeah, cares I mean, if I wasn't there? Exactly. Those are guilty pleasures and, and you know, and, and life's fucking hard enough and uh, too yeah. few moments of happiness. So I'm going to be like, yeah, if I want a pair of sneakers, if I want to dress like I'm 22 instead of older, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to by God do it. So, and then I have Tim there encouraging me all the time. Cause you know, Tim's like, Oh my gosh, what a great t-shirt. So he's like my one person, uh, you know, uh, validation group. So. Yeah, he's like the little uh, devil sitting on your shoulder saying, do it, yeah, do it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's cool, Greg. You know, you're not too old for that. <laughs> oh. Is there any artist that you've seen that if somebody knew you and your music style, they would be shocked that you've seen? Um, yeah, probably. Um, because I also have a 17-year-old daughter. Right. Who's a huge mu- music fan as well. Okay. And she likes a lot of cool music, but I've taken her to see Justin Bieber. <laughs> right. uh, and so people are usually surprised by that one. But, um, you know, just even without my daughter, I've, you know, I've seen like a lot of different bands. I saw Salt and Peppa and oh. I love them. They were so good. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess those are probably kind of the extremes of the bands I've seen, but, um, yeah, Justin Bieber, some of the stuff my daughter liked. Like, I love Lady Gaga. I saw her with my daughter as well. She is actually pretty cool. She's an amazing performer. And it was just a really cool crowd to like uh, multi-generations and people just really friendly and and just appreciating uh, what she was doing. So, but some people might be surprised. Um, mm. You know, I, I kind of give off the affect of a punk rocker, you know, <laughs> with my appearance. And so, mm. you know, when... Katie and I are over sitting at the beach and I put on yacht rock, you know, I, we get some sideways looks. So, yeah, that's actually a, something that's a fear I've had. I have a two and a half year old daughter and as much as I can't wait to start bringing her to concerts when she's older, I'm afraid of what sort of concert she'll be wanting to go to. So I had a little plan before she was born. I used to get my <laughs> phone and pro program a playlist of like Metallica, you know, classic rock right up until said the late 90s. Just play yeah. the phone on the belly, play it through. So I'm hoping it sank in and she'll be wanting to go to my type of concerts when she's like 16, 17. She will be, you know, because you're, you're going to be one of those cool dads like I was one of those cool dads. And, you know, not to say she won't go through the phases like my monkey's phase, you know, mm-hmm. um, where she's influenced by her friends or by her little other media outlets. But like, you know, my daughter Carly throughout uh, those little phases, she was still enjoying the who mm-hmm. and she was listening to rush and yeah. she was appreciating the Beatles. And so, you know, I, I could certainly say, yeah, you know, indulge in the things that you find interesting. And, and, and what was really cool was she's introduced me to so many different artists that she likes oh. that as a result of, of her influence, I've come to really appreciate. And so it's a beautiful thing to share that love of music with your kid. And, uh, yeah, you know, we all have our, 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 uh, bad band moments, but, <laughs> uh, our guilty pleasures, but she came through just fine. I'm sure yours will too. Oh, good. Good. Um, so the, uh, 
the worst concert you've ever been to or worst experience you've had at a concert? Oh, well, I, you know, my best and my worst concert experience was the same concert experiences. I, okay. I went to the uh, Woodstock 94. Oh, man. Oh, that must have been cool. It was. It, it was in so many ways. It was It was awesome. And just thinking about today's uh, chat that we're having, I kind of reminisced about the lineup and the bands that were there. And it was amazing. But like the conditions and like the price and the and the runaround that we got, it was like hell on earth. You know, we it was super expensive. My my brother and two of our friends drove to this place and you know, you get into the parking lot and this is pre-cell phone days. And it's like, hey, anyone who uh, brought a tent that you have to stake stakes into the ground, you you can't come in. You can't oh, bring that man. in. And we were like, well, fucking A, why don't you tell us that to begin with? Because that's what we were planning on. Hmm. But we were there and we were drunk already. So we were like, all right, let's go. And we'd spent all this money. And then we get there and the gates were all pushed over. Like you didn't even need to pay to get in there. Oh, man. Jesus. And so, you know, again, I'm like, well, fuck it. I mean, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's great. We're young and, and we're going to have a good time. And then like, so the first night we sleep out on the ground and it's fine because it's dry. Hmm. But then the next day it starts to, tr the torrential downpours and the mud. Oh. And so like, you know, I, we had nowhere to sleep. So like, I literally was on my feet for like 42 straight hours because otherwise you were sitting in a waist deep puddle of mud. And so like, you know, we were walking from, you know, there's a North stage and a South stage, just checking out the different bands and you're just exhausted. But at the same time, like the energy of being there and some of the bands that we saw, you could really appreciate mm. you know, what you were seeing. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine. I could imagine. It's a, uh, I don't know. I don't think an experience like that could actually, you know, dampen the overall experience of a gig like that Woodstock 94, you know, it's a, uh, I think if I had been there in my memory, it'd be the ultimate gig ever. What were, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the, the highlights when it comes to the bands that played? Uh, well, that's where I saw Salt and Pepper. Right. And, and that was an absolute highlight. It was really, they were really energetic and fun. Uh, I saw Primus there. They were good. Uh, Nine Inch Nails was a highlight for oh, me. Man. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania, as I mentioned. So the band live, you know, mm. uh, lightning crashes guys, uh, I've always loved them and they played on the first night. I've loved the violent femmes. They were there. Um, you know, Bob Weir was there. Um, Metallica was great. Mm. Um, you know, Aerosmith was like, like three in the morning playing and, and they were amazing. So, Jeez. um, it, it was just, it was a, it was just an amazing three days, you know? And, um, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, every, not a not an unkind word between anybody. Nobody was stressing about anything. Mm. People were sharing the things that they had to share, and uh, it was cool. It was fun, but it was a fucking mess, and, and you <laughs> couldn't quite tell where the porta potties began and like the mud puddles ended. You know what I mean? Oh, so man. you just had to kind of like say, you know what, I'm going to not think about what I'm walking through right now. Oh, Jesus. No wonder you didn't sleep on the floor. So <laughs> what, what my brother fell asleep the one night and we woke up the next morning and one of his shoes had been carried away like in a like a stream of he must have taken his <laughs> shoes off. And he was like, one of my shoes is gone. I was like, yeah, I probably fell into that fast running puddle that's been running through the fairgrounds for the last two days. So I had to walk like five miles back to our car to get oh, him man. his extra set of shoes, you know. <laughs> 
Jesus. I would have made him uh, walk himself for losing ah, the shoe. Was, well, I tried. He was like, I don't have, I'm missing a shoe. You're going to make me walk without a shoe? And I was like, all right, son of a bitch. So. You should have been like, here, I'll make it easier. I'll take the other shoe. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Here, here's my shoes. We wear the same size. Too. <laughs> but uh, you said that Aerosmith played at three o'clock in the morning. Did the bands just play 24 hours then or? Did Not stop? quite, but but like, you know how it is at concerts and set changes and, and things mm. just got delayed. And there were rain delays, too, because it was raining. Yeah. Um, and so there were delays. And so um, like Metallica had uh, Aerosmith closed the second night and Metallica went on right before them. But they'd all kind of been delayed and delayed and delayed. And so Metallica played their full set and they had like a kind of like a, a, a pyrotechnic show afterwards and then right. Aerosmith had to wait for that to get all done and then they came on and they just they played mm-hmm. it was incredible is there any uh is there any band that you've seen when you were younger and you've seen now or when they were in their later years hmm. well i mean um the band i've seen the most in my life is rush hmm. I, i've probably seen them 14 15 times Jeez. and i started you know um when I was that those first concert days, they were, they were one of my first two or three concerts, hmm. you know, when I was a 16 year old. And then I saw them on their uh, 40th anniversary tour. Uh, whenever that, you know, when would that have been like 2015 or something? And, uh, and I saw them then, you know, so I yeah. saw them kind of just age and um, still be musically sharp. I mean, Getty's voice got a little bit weaker over time. Hmm. Um, but I, I've seen those guys uh, quite a bit. That's very impressive. Now, seeing a band that amount of times, what is it that drew you in about Rush? Well, they, they you know, um, they're like the ultimate nerdy suburban kid band. You know, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, like um, it's three guys and they, you know, there's you know, they used to wear kimonos on stage. Like they were like strange guys. <laughs> yeah, they looked yeah. strange even, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and then their music is just so kind of, um, you know, inaccessible to, to like women probably would be the word <laughs> I was searching for there, there, you know, and, and, and Getty's shrill voice. Um, it just, it was, you know, and they wrote their lyrics about science fiction novels. Like right. it doesn't get any nerdier than that. Like, and so um, they made it seem like, you know what, all these things that I think make me a, such a, such a dork, they, they validating me, you know, they, they're, these are all cool <laughs> things. It's their inspiration in fact. And so liking them, I felt like, you know what, I have some cool older nerds to look up to. And, and I happened to grow up with a bunch of other suburbanites who, who felt the same way. Yeah. You know, we were all drawn to rush and um, and my nerdy friends at high school, my nerdy friends in college, whenever they were within driving distance of of where we were, which included at the time like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, or Cleveland, mm. uh, we were going to go see them. So, oh man, sounds uh sounds like a a great band to be into and be able to you know follow them through their career, but also follow them through the different stages of your life as well. You know, I find songs or bands kind of link in with certain points in your life and will be linked to memories in your own life at different at different stages, you know. I I, I agree with that completely. You know, I, I associate times and sometimes times of the year 
mm. with certain bands and uh and when then you're when you accidentally come upon one of those songs it's like you know it's it's not just the memory and the enjoyment of the music it's like that what it evokes in your memory it's yeah. a really cool thing about music it's a, com- a complete callback mm-hmm. so um the uh the best experience i know you said it was woodstock 94 but what was the the best part about woodstock then uh it was just seeing so many bands you know mm-hmm. and, and for me again you know a big narrative of my early life was it was a pretty it was a, a blessed life and a good life but it was pretty boring you know suburban right. kid and so um i never felt like i was a part of anything or even on the uh the fringes of anything historic and so, you know, being such a great music fan growing up of classic rock, you know, what the original Woodstock was so venerated. So the fact that there was another one coming around when I was like 23, I was like, man, this is cool. I'm going to be part of some historical music mm. event. Like I always kind of envied the people of the original Woodstock. And so that yeah. was what made it to be there. It made it so appealing and to be there with my friends and my brother, um, and just seeing so many bands that I had either seen before at a smaller venue or mm. I wanted to see, um, it was just overwhelming, like excitement, you know, yeah, like for I people who imagine. are Disney enthusiasts, but it's like, if Disney's only open once every 25 years, yeah. <laughs> that's a good analogy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think it held up compared to their original Woodstock? Um, hard to. Hold yeah, kind of hard suppose. to compare. I mean, it, I, I guess it's it can most cases things can't ever be as good as the original, right? Mm. Because that was kind of a spontaneous happening that became historic. This was mm. kind of an homage to something historic, but still, um, you know, the fact that like bands, I think Aerosmith was at both, mm. and I think like Bob Weir was there, and I think you know the Dead had been at the original one. So to kind of be a part of that. Um, that link between the original one and this modern one, it was like, it was a really good feeling for me as a music fan to say, you know what, I have kind of, I have these musical principles as a fan and I believe in supporting bands like this. And, and I've always admired that thing. And and now uh, I'm going to go make that memory with some of my closest friends. And it was, Mm. uh, it was cool in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you're quite lucky to be able to have that experience as well, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it was uh, it was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were ready to leave at the end of it, though. We were covered in mud, um, <laughs> but uh, we we only remember the good parts now. Mostly. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever I picture festivals in America, I never think that it'll rain or you know I'm so mm-hmm. used to piss and rain over here in Ireland. I always picture yeah. like a concert in America being you know roasting hot, just the perfect summer's day. But I guess it does it does absolutely piss rain in parts as well. Yeah, and the parts that I grew up for sure. You know, mm. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh got has more days of rain and cloud cover than any other place in the United States. You know, more oh, than man. Seattle, more than Portland, and so yeah, oh. it was rainy a lot. Yeah, geez, back to the Irish thing. Then you practically grew up in the American Ireland. <laughs> I did, yeah. And then when I moved to Portland, you know, people would ask me about the rain. I'd be like, Ah, oh, no, it's like Ireland. It's like a, it's ever present. Like I'm used to it. A sunny day is, is like, like a gift from God, but even on the drizzly days, you don't mind as long as it's not raining too hard, you know, yeah, you get used yeah. to it. 
Exactly. Exactly. I always say when people ask me what Irish summers are like, well, we get one day of sunshine and then it's gone. That was our summer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it makes for some beautiful landscapes over there. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll uh, we'll move past the concerts now. And uh, if you could be locked in a room with any artist from history for 24 hours, Mm. who would it be? That's an easy one for me. Um, um, I've commented on your Instagram about it too. Like John Lennon, man, he is, um, gosh, so many artists that I admire, so many artists that I admire, not just musically, mm. but um, something about his art, something about kind of the way he lived his life and good and bad, the challenges that just kind of deeply resonate with me. Mm. And then, you know, and to have been a kid, um, only kind of discovering him, and to have him like, you know, murdered, you know, yeah. uh, it just seems so profound and so unfair to me. And mm. so I would love to uh, spend 24 hours with him. And you know, I, I tell Katie now it's interesting and I don't think about it a lot, but I'm, I'm now older than John Lennon was at his oldest, you know, and, and that's yeah. weird for me to think about. Like I'm older than John Lennon now uh, yeah. in, in a weird sort of metaphysical way. And so to, to go and talk to like a 40 year old or however old he would be in this scenario, John Lennon would just be, uh, I don't know, it would just be a really nice thing uh, to just say thanks for all the comfort he's given me and kind of the example he said. And, hmm. uh, you know, that would be, that would be my ultimate, my ultimate dinner. Yeah. It'd be great to be able to pick his brains it'd be a really magical experience i think but um mm-hmm. you touched on something there as well about the thought of being older than john lennon was i yeah. always have every time i turn an older age i always have that thought like i remember the first one i think it was i'm older than james dean then it was like mm. kurt cobain jim morrison i think yeah. the next one i think is like elvis presley or something or probably john lennon as well but uh it's a it's a weird to think i always think to myself look at what they accomplished by the time they died and then when i was younger and i looked at these guys they seemed so old i know that's probably a part of you know you're younger everyone that's a few years older yeah. seems older but it's weird to, they weren't that old you know john lennon wasn't old by any standard no. when he died and, and, you know, and as I've gotten older, I feel like they're older in my mind, mm. even though they've stopped aging, you know? Yeah. And so like, you can see Paul McCartney and see clearly he's an older guy. Mm. Um, but like John Lennon will forever never be older than 40. And, yeah. and now I have more life, ex- well, maybe not life experience, but uh, I've lived more years than he has, you know? And, and that's a, it's a weird thought. It is. It really is. And uh, what do you remember where you were? when you heard first that he'd been murdered? Uh, I think it was when I got home from school. Um, I don't think it was like December 8th, 1980. So I would have been, I would have been nine. Mm. So like fourth grade. So, you know, there wasn't instantaneous news. The only thing that ever got communicated instantaneously was when President Reagan got shot. They broke into our classrooms and told us, but not for John Lennon. And so Mm. it must've been when I got home and, my, you know, the, the six o'clock news on or, and, and, you know, I'm sure that just was a, my sisters would have been sad about it. My siblings, but even my parents would have, that was 
big news. And um, so it had to be a day after school. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's one of the few musicians as well that gets the term assassinated instead of, you know, it's like JFK was assassinated. John Lennon was assassinated. You know, norm, especially nowadays, if a musician gets shot, he just got shot or he just got murdered. You know, yeah. it just uh, it just goes to show how highly regarded he was and how much of a cultural icon he was. You know, agreed. Yeah. But uh, what do you think he'd be doing nowadays if he if he lived? I don't know. You know, I, one of the things I struggle with with my love of music is. And God, you know, I guess I'm being super judgmental. It's like when artists age and they don't age well. Right. You know, right. Uh, and God love them. They've earned the right to age whatever which way they are. But, you know, you, you, I hold them in a way in my, in my mind and I don't want them to disappoint me. Mm. And so, you know, I don't think Phil Collins aged all that well. Like he started <laughs> making kind of derivative music and it was like, eh, not so much. But yeah. like Peter Gabriel, who you don't hear about, um, but, but he's out doing his, he's still making music. He's just doing it, whatever he fancies. And it's not about the, the charts anymore. Yeah. So I, I hope that Lennon would have kind of aired to that side and, and kind of, you know, been an, an elder spokesman for, for music. Um, but not necessarily been cranking out albums at, the, at yeah. that age. You know, yeah. um, I, I do, I, I think that artists, no matter their caliber, um, at a certain point that well runs dry of like that emotion that they're drawing from that comes from like living a hard life and struggling and, and facing challenges. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like a lot of artists, not that they don't have challenges as wealthy people, but th they're different types of challenges that don't necessarily translate and remin, you know, uh, I, I can't feel bad for a millionaire who's bored, you know, but <laughs> yeah. you know, one, his story of how he came up like Springsteen, you know, that, that would fascinate me. Yeah, I've said it before. Uh, nobody wants to hear a song about why your butler wasn't on time with your drink. You exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, do you remember the in the mid 90s, the Beatles kind of, well, the tree even reformed a little bit and released the, uh, oh, what was the name of it? Uh, something about birds, like, uh, like fly. The two songs, Real Love yeah. and like a bird or something and yeah. they added john's voice in what did you think of them i thought uh you know i i love the beatles i loved all of them but i thought that was just a the wrong thing to do mm. you know um it just seemed so unnecessary you yeah. know I, I would have been delighted if just the three of them got together and did something new and, and they mm. you know, call yourself the beatles you know john's dead you know he didn't leave the band yeah. um but to kind of, to me, it seemed like an unnecessarily um, calculated kind of commercial move to like, we're going to, you know, it's like when authors writing, when authors die and their, their relatives find their, their last novel and they, yeah. they, uh, they get somebody to finish it. It's like, God, you know what, can't you just appreciate, you know, what exists in its current form, even as it's unfinished? I mean, I don't know. Mm, yeah. Let the, uh, let the fans use their imagination to what exactly could have been, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. There's one of them songs as well, because I know they got John's voice off an old tape deck he had recorded in, in his house. And mm. you can kind of tell in parts, it's like the tape was damaged almost because his, his voice sounds very wavy almost, you know? Mm. It's just, 
they could have done it if they were hell bent on doing it. They could have done it a bit better. Like the word to be oh, sure. had all the money in the world, you know. I would have preferred if they had gotten Julian. Yeah, you know, I, I've never heard Sean saying much, but Julian to me sounds a lot like his dad. You know, yeah. I was a fan of Julian's and, you know, get him to participate. Um, I mean, that would have been, I would have loved that, but mm. um, just to, you know, to use somebody's disembodied voice uh, just seemed like, eh, I don't know. It's beneath those guys. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point though. That would have a, uh... I think it would have been more respectful to John as well, wouldn't it? For sure. Yeah. 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 And plus he looks incredibly like John as well. So Oh my God. Yeah. You know. I mean that song of his Velot, you know, he had a couple of hits that were kind of poppy, but that one song, that first song he wrote was called Velot. Mm-hmm. And he sounded just like his dad in that. And the music, the instrumentation was very kind of Beatles-esque. And I was like, wow, this is this is great. I mean, I really became a fan of his. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you could see any performer or band in concert for one night only, who would it be? Hmm, living or dead or just currently alive? Yeah, living living or dead. Hmm. One night only. I, I think I would go with The Clash. Right, right. You know, Good choice. The original lineup. Okay. You know, because, you know... Um, just about that experience, something about that experience appeals to me more than even seeing like the Beatles live. The Beatles live would be amazing and I would love the music, but it wouldn't be as visceral Mm. as going to like uh, one of the gigs that the clash played uh, and just feeling like the energy of the audience and the slam dancing or whatever they would might've been doing then and, Mm. and seeing the clash live like that at their like kind of rawest would have been, pretty badass yeah that would have been unreal actually that's one that rarely comes up i don't think it's ever came up before mm. i don't think the clash have even been mentioned in an episode before i, I but, love uh, the clash so underrated yeah without a doubt without a doubt were you um were you into the sex pistols then by extension I hate the sex pistols really I, I i really don't like the sex pistols um Something about John Lydon. He's like too grating, you know. Mm. Um, it, it, it almost seems like an act, you know, like, or he's a caricature of a punk rocker. Yeah. It's like, you know, dude, you don't have to be shrill all the time. Not, you know, you don't have to say fuck you to every situation. It's <laughs> like, I get it. You're, you know, you're, you're anti-conformity, but, you know, you know, just relax. You don't have to constantly yeah. be on attack. Yeah, yeah, whatever about when he was younger, you know, late teens, early 20s, but he's the exact same now and he's like in his 60s, you know, and there's there's no need for it whatsoever. Well, that's what I mean. It's like a, it's a, it's his shtick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know, like every other normal artist evolves. You don't see, you know, you're not you're going to see Anthony Kiedis probably diving off of stage boom anytime soon. Yeah. But, but John Lydon <laughs> felt like he had to con- Continue the image that he created 40 years ago. And that's just mm. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if there was one song, say they were going to end the set with one song, which song would it be? Straight to Hell. Right, right. Yeah, of Combat Rock. Uh, something about, you know, I, I like the blend of like um, melody with like harder rhythms and stuff. And mm. so something about that song um 
would just be, I think, a great way to kind of close down the show. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a great choice. Great choice. Thanks. And now on to the, the final question. Okay. If there was a song that had to appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Uh, huh. That's interesting. I'm going to have to reflect on that. Um, had to be... Um, well, the first song that comes to mind, I think, uh, there's a lot of songs that I think when I listen to them, I think, well, you know, I, I can really relate to that one, mm. you know, but uh, one that would be good for a movie soundtrack is uh, it's rambling gambling man by Bob Seger. Right. Right. Why so? Just that sounds cool or. Well, I mean, it's, you know, if you listen to the lyrics, it's uh, a guy who moves, likes to move around a lot. Um, kind of happy go lucky. Uh, there's a, there's a line in there that uh, he says, I'm not good looking but you know, I'm not shy. I'm not afraid to look a girl in the eye, you know, and it's just kind of his like, like, you know what? Effort kind of attitude. Yeah. Uh, I've moved around a lot, my lot in my life and, and uh, you know, I've kind of had that laid back effort attitude a lot too. And so I think it uh, would be good for the movie. Good stuff. I was going to get Brad Pitt to play the, the me that I am now. That, that would be necessary. Of too. course. Yeah. It has to be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we say goodbye, do you want to plug your show? Tell everyone where they can find us. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's bad counsel. We're on all the pod podcast platforms that you find great podcasts on. We're on Instagram at uh, bad dot council. Um, we record every week, uh, new every new Wednesday. Um, every Wednesday, there's a new episode. Um, we'd love to take a question, or if not, uh, give us a listen. And if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and you can still figure out how to do it follow us and give us a rating great stuff well greg it's been an absolute pleasure i'm uh, i'm delighted we finally got to talk face to face and chat Me about too. music that's a delight thank you man you have a great show brian i really appreciate and i'm honored that you asked me to be on thanks a million i was delighted to have you Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. Really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord, exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast, early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rocking.
Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.